Dotnet Rocks episode 841 with guest Jamie Wright. Recorded live Friday, January 18th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back. It's Carl, it's Richard, it's .NET Rocks. Watch out for that person in the road. Don't hit anybody. Don't hit that kid. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, my friend? Stop texting and driving. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just put down the phone. Put it down, man. I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing really well. Um, just, you know, got back from the road trip, missed the studio terribly, missed my family, of course, but, you know, I missed doing stuff here. So, um, you know, I got millions of projects going on, keeping me busy. Are you playing a lot of music? I am playing a lot of music. That's what you like. Yeah. And, uh, Project Awesome. And you played most nights at Code Mash, too. Well, not most nights. One night was particularly magical. We just found ourselves sitting on the couch outside in the lobby, about 15 people around, and uh, myself and another guy who was there as a professional musician were, were just trading songs back and forth and nice. singing at the top of our lungs and drinking scotch. Until about three in the morning where even, when even the staff were coming down and saying, dudes. Yep. And thanks to Jim Holmes for calming them down and letting <laughs> us play for another hour. It was great. <laughs> it's all part of what makes Code Mash great. It, it really does. And, you know, those moments don't happen all the time. So it was just one of those, take advantage of it while you can. Hey, it's Better Know Framework. <laughs> All right. What do you got? Because you better. I'm gonna better. call it. I'm gonna call it better know a community. Nice. You talking about a community then? I am. I'm talking about a blog post. Every oh. once in a while, I just find blog posts out of the blue that hit me for some reason. This is a good thing. So I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, this solar uh, enterprise search platform, Solar S O L R, and there's uh, a solar net client for it hmm. in .NET. Okay. Well, this guy, Paul Bauer, at paulbauer.com, B-O-U-W-E-R, he wrote this blog post and told a story. He says, I have used this open source enterprise search platform, Solar, for a number of years now, and on a recent project, I've been using the open source SolarNet.NET client library. The SolarNet library lacked a feature I required when used with the bundled service locator implementation. A number of people had been asking for the same feature, so I decided to jump in and implement it. This is my journey into learning Git using GitHub and contributing to an open source project. I highly recommend the experience. You learn a great deal from reading and contributing to code that is so highly visible. And he split his journey, which is really a story and a how-to, all in one, into five parts. One, install Git. Two, set up GitHub. Three, fork the project. Four, contribute code. And five, submit a pull request. And uh, just got a lot of great comments, and, and it, it looks like an interesting story. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash .NET GitHub, that's D-O-T-N-E-T GitHub, G-I-T-H-U-B, you will start the story yourself. Nice. So not just about this interesting uh, enterprise search project, but really about 
the whole experience of being part of an open source project Absolutely. and making a contribution. And I would say that's the real story. The real yeah. story is, you know, how to jump in, what he learned, what he did wrong, you know, what he did right, and and uh, the, how the experience was. I love that. Yeah, it's very cool. So there you go. Who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 831, and that is the one we did with Phil Hack on the road trip about Git and GitHub. We ended up calling it a very hacky Christmas. Yeah. Because A, published on December 25th. That's also when we gave away the uh, the $5,000 prize, if you recall. That's right. And uh, it was Rod Corbett who won it uh, out of Ottawa, and he selected the gigantic dev machine. Uh, yeah. This comment, and so that we really, you know, interesting that you mentioned Git and GitHub. Here we were with a show on Git and GitHub because this comment is from Klee Gurig Thomas, who says, "Hi guys, great show. The talk of GitHub and the way their management was structured was really interesting, and it made me a little jealous since it'll never happen in the organization I'm working in. We've got 15 employees with a hierarchy that is four layers deep." Ouch. Awesome. <laughs> it's like four people per layer. Okay. I am so glad. You and your hierarchy of none. Hierarchy of one. Yeah. Uh, what really interested me in this show was the talk of NuGet. We've had a bit of a play around with NuGet and are using it for our third-party library management on our WPF projects, but we were unsuccessful in using it as a solution for managing dependencies in immature infrastructure modules that are shared across multiple projects. Mm. I'd love to hear you guys talk more about NuGet and dependency management in .NET in general. Yeah. And, you know, we did dig into a bit of the dependency management stuff around Chocolatey. Chocolatey. Uh, which was show 836 with Rob Reynolds. So certainly got into NuGet, talked about Chocolatey, and there was some dependency discussions in there. But interesting that you had those problems. Uh, you know, I'll reach out to, uh, to Phil Hack for you because he can certainly address all of that and more. Uh, thanks so much for your comment, Clee. Uh, interesting one. Uh, good luck on reorganizing your organization. You know what they say... If you can't change your company, you can always change, change your company. Change your company. <laughs> <laughs> so a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a tough thing. It, it, it's good to say change your company or change your company. But if your company's working just great and your changes suck, then, uh, you know, changing, changing your company is good for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online with over 400 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs, industry experts, guests on our show. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a 10-day trial for 200 minutes for free. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything and everything on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce our guest. Jamie Wright is president of Brilliant Fantastic, a modest software development consulting service provider, and I put the modest in there, and an ISV for software management applications. He has over 10 years of software development experience in Microsoft Technologies and two years development experience in Ruby and Ruby on Rails. He specializes in application architecture, design patterns, object-oriented design, and test-driven development. He blogs at brilliantfantastic.com and is currently seeking help for his gadget addiction. Well, if you uh, sign up for the fan club, we can outfit you with a whole bunch of gadgets, I'm sure. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, guys. How are you? Doing fine. 
So you did a talk at CodeMash, which, by the way, we had such fun at, uh, on Ruby for .NET developers. Yeah, CodeMash is always a blast. It's a hotel full of nerds and liquor and beer and parties and conversations. You know, that the liquor thing, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but apparently the CodeMash attendees really like the good booze because the bars were, were out of the good stuff on the first day. And this is stuff that they were complaining that they never sell. You know, like 30-year-old really? Macallan. Well, that's you what know. you get in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I you guess. get connoisseurs of Bud Light and Coors Light. <laughs> and but, Johnny Walker Black. And, and I guess and what? And now the, uh, the Ohio Hype, which is uh, a name for Yingling. Yeah. Since they just got Yingling. I got to think that part of it is just the voracious appetite for bourbon scotch and craft beers that uh that the code mash crowd seemed to have yes yes yeah we had a uh well and and let's be honest the prices were great for the good scotch and bourbon yeah that's yep. right yep i think yep. that mccallum 30 was 25 a shot it's crazy yeah oh. that is crazy Anyway, uh, at CodeMash, you did a session on uh, Ruby for .NET developers. And how, how do you begin to talk about Ruby to .NET developers? Well, it was more on uh, a Rails for .NET developers. Okay. Uh, we didn't go much into the language of Ruby. Um, the point of it was to compare and contrast ASP.NET MVC and, and Rails and mm -hmm. kind of I kind of find through talking to other people that they're um, they're kind of scared of of Rails and Ruby because there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of experts out there, and so they're afraid. I think a lot to fail. Um, yeah, and so it was more of a session to say, hey, these are really a lot of like alike. Um, there's a lot of strengths in um, in Rails, in my opinion. Um, and that people should just try new things. Right. So we we basically the session was creating uh, the same application in, in both types of environments, um, and they covered a lot of stuff. And it was uh, a fast paced look through just developing a real world application. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, what are some of the things that we can, uh, if we've never seen Rails before, and we have done. MVC, what uh, what kinds of things are we going to find comforting? Um, well, you'll immediately find that uh, you know they both use MVC design pattern, the model view controller design pattern. Mm -hmm. um, so you you will be familiar with the concept of a controller, the concept of a model, the concept of a view. Um, the file structure is a lot alike. Uh, the ideas are the same. You know, routing, mm -hmm. how that works. Um, so those are all very comforting things. Um, the biggest hurdle is obviously the language difference and how to correctly do something in, in Ruby compared to, to .NET. And, uh, so I always suggest learning Ruby before you jump into Rails. Rails is a big monolithic thing. And, and that's what I was thinking. It's like, you can't, I've n never thought about Rails without being in the context of Ruby. They kind of go together. Yeah, they go. They de well, they definitely go together. Um, and it did take me about a year to get into Rails after after learning Ruby. I I learned Ruby. Uh, I think it was two thousand six, two thousand seven. I started playing around with Ruby uh, at CodeMash. Actually, um, Leon Gersing did a precompiler mm -hmm. on the 
on the Ruby Cohen's, which um, are basically just a collection of unit tests that are broken, and you have to go and fix them. It's a really good way to learn Ruby. Yeah, neat. Uh, they, you know, they start at the basics. You know, assert false is true, and and you go from there to building a whole class and and an object and things like that. Wow. So that was a great way to to start learning Ruby, and and now there's just tons of resources on learning Ruby, and you know, I've always said the the best way to learn something is just to build something. Yeah, um, sure. So it did take me about a year to kind of get comfortable, find the time to to just dig into Rails and then just build something and go from there. But I immediately fell in love with Ruby. I love the simplicity. I love the dynamic support. And there's a lot to be said uh, for syntax. You know, the syntactical sugar of Ruby is is really a lot of fun. So what are the things that uh, you find um, C-sharp developers like about the Ruby language? Um, one of the biggest things is not so much about the language. Um, although the language is nice, it's, it's nice to be able to, to open up a REPL and just start playing around. A REPL? And just, yeah, the, the read feedback loop where you can just basically open up IRB on your terminal and just start coding away. You don't have to start a project. You don't have to start a solution. Um, you don't need to know about compiling or MS build. Sort of, or like, like, sort of like the Visual Studio immediate window? Yes, yes. But you don't have to go into Visual Studio. Sure. So, so there's that. Um, so they really like the, the idea of how easy it is to, to get going, to start playing around look at some code, and try it out themselves. Um, but the biggest thing I've, I've found is that people just like the community aspect of it. There's a lot, and, and the .NET world is actually, you know, NuGet actually helped us out a lot, package management. Um, sure. Just because there's a lot more open source, and it's a lot easier to distribute that open source. Mm. You know, Ruby's had gems for quite some time, and um, so this is, there's a lot of open source out there. So if I wanted to be able to you know, add a Facebook login to my application. It's literally gem install, uh, a gem, and you know, four or five lines of code. It's it's really um, it's really amazing how much open source and things things are out there for for Ruby developers. Mm. And that, and that's sort of the key of it is that they have built into their tools this sense of community that I still don't think Microsoft done all that good a job of. Their tools are very much oriented on Microsoft. Yeah, and I mean, they're big frame. You know, Rails is open source. Rails comes from the open source world. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, ASP.NET MVC is built basically in a lab at Microsoft. You know, they have open sourced it. Um, one thing I wish Microsoft would do, though, is, is get to where the developers are. Right. The developers are at GitHub. You guys, yeah. you guys just talked about Git and GitHub. Sure. The developers are in that community. I wish they would embrace that and, and bring that over um, over there. It does uh, feel like they're headed that way with the some of the open sourcing that they've done, which again, it's all post facto, but and they're start now looking at taking contributions and so forth. But you're right. If if Studio had GitHub integration, if it was mm. just built in, I think you'd finally be able to connect to that community with your tools. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, Phil Hack going over to GitHub um, and making 
you know, GitHub for Windows is has been a, a real big boost. I, I've seen, you know, I see I see that application on more and more developers' Windows machines. Reminds me about when Nixon went to China. <laughs> <laughs> hey um can we get into a little bit of uh, the rails uh stuff and the goo that's in there tell us about active record sure so active record is a uh, an orm um that takes a lot of convention over configuration um and i and i gotta admit my my knowledge of kind of the net orm space is probably two or three years old. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know a lot about entity framework and things like that. Um, but so, I, you get active record models for uh, the configuration just for free when you, yeah, with rails. Yeah. If you, if you want to, so Ruby's dynamic, right? So if I wanted to create a user model and that has four or five fields on it, I don't have to define those four or five fields. Um, Active Record just takes that for me. So if I want to select the name, first name and last name from a user uh, in, inside of a database, the only thing I really need to do is create a migration and a model that just okay. has the name of user. And by convention, I get a user's table for free. Not for free, but it creates a migration for a user's, user's table. So it gets, it's, it's very fast. It's all built on... Rails is all about making stuff fast. It's it's a lot. It's big and it's gotten a lot bigger and monolithic over right. the last couple of years, which is unfortunate. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So the, the command line generator in Rails sort of creates that stuff, though, right? It creates the model and migration and tests and stuff, right? Right, right. There's, a, there's generators in Rails that um, get installed with certain gems. So when you, when you gem install Rails, you get a lot of generators for free. Um, so you can just basically say Rails generate model user, and you get the user's table, Mm -hmm. uh, migration, you, you get the user model, uh, you can define fields only within the migration. And the migration is what? The mapping between the, the uh, model and the data? Yeah, it's just Ruby code on how to create the, the database table. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's just like a Fluent Migrator. Uh, I think Entity Framework has their own now, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that allows you... You know, migrations are great because they allow a developer, a brand new developer to come in, run, you know, a rake command, and I'll define rake in a little bit, but mm -hmm. 
run a rate command and have your database schema right up and running. Um, yeah. And you can version control all that stuff. And uh, the history of your database changes are, are right along alongside your code. Rails also comes with a little SQL database or something, right? Uh, SQLite, is it? Yep. SQLite, little file-based database, um, really slim and and uh, portable and nice to use. You can destroy it. Re, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of security around it. Is the uh, the the SQL syntax uh, something that you know SQL Server people will find familiar, or is it uh, different in any way? Or yeah, you don't actually you don't mess you don't muck a lot around with with SQL in Rails from okay. the apps that I've created. Um, because the ORM does that, the Active Record does that automatically. Active right? Record is a, does a really good job yeah. uh, in most cases um, of creating the SQL f- for you. And so if um, you're if you're pulling out data, let's say you know the, something we would do with a link. With, with Link in C-sharp, uh, is there similar kind of, you know, where clauses and things like that that we can use in Active Record to, yep. to pull out? Yep. Yeah. yep, you can chain where and select and, and uh, all those methods. Great. In there. Yep. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, it's, and, it's very familiar. Which and came that, first, Link or, or this, uh, or, or Ruby? I believe, I believe Link came first, and then I, um, the Rails community... Uh, I believe got some design inspiration from that. The ability to to link that kind of stuff to chain those kind of methods together, right. I don't believe was in in the earlier versions of of Active Record. Yeah, I'd like to know where that sort of convention came yeah. about because when I started seeing it, I thought it was just totally brilliant, made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, Link is Link is amazing. I love Link. Yeah. All right, so you were going to talk about Rake. Right. So Rake is just a, a Ruby make. Okay. Um, it was uh, built by Jim Wyrick of Edgecase fame and Ruby fame, <laughs> one of the earliest Ruby developers in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Jamie, what do you think of something like Web Matrix out of the platform installer? I don't know much about Web Web Matrix. Right. Um, so, yeah, I can't comment on that. I don't know much. I've seen demos of it, but yeah. beyond that... And, of course, there's, there's other frameworks like Rails. I, I mean, you could also say... What did Rob Connery's Subsonic seem to be a, a, a some along that same line? Right for uh, an ORM. Type well, of deal? and more just for giving scaffolding around building a web app. Yeah, yeah. So Rails comes with scaffolding. Um, I don't use that that much. Oh, really? Um, yeah, uh, I've never used that that much. Uh, it's good, I guess, for maybe creating some quick. Uh, spiking out some some quick functionality or seeing how things would would f- fly together, but for me it just creates a bunch of extraneous extraneous stuff huh. like that you don't need that you can easily say, you know, generate me a model and uh, maybe generate me a controller with these methods and I'll take care of the rest. Right. Um, the UI that it generates and things like that is just mostly throwaway. Um, nobody. In my experience, nobody wants a UI that that acts like that and looks like that. It's hardly ever a um, hardly ever a good a good user experience. Like not even say. good enough for a prototype. Well, what are you prototyping? Are you prototyping right. how a user interaction works? In that case, no. I mean, is it good for you know somebody has an Excel spreadsheet or an Access database or something like that? where uh, you just want to replace that functionality, yeah, it's probably a good use case for that. Um, but in my experience, I've, I've never 
I've never needed to build an application like that. I, I don't get called in for, for those types of applications. That makes sense. But there yeah. are things in Rails you like better than the experience developing in .NET around, say, MVC? Y yeah, yeah. Um, there's kind of like... The, the big thing for me is tooling. Mm -hmm. um, .NET is very large, very, very slow. So the way I develop is I, I do top-down development. Um, I usually start with some sort of feature spec, right? So I use, for that I use Cucumber. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. And in .NET there's, uh, in the .NET world there's, there's spec flow, right. which, is, which is also very good. The the problem though is the feedback loop. Compiling now for me gets kind of in my way. The feedback loop in Ruby is is very sub millisecond, you know, millisecond second feedback loop. Hmm. And it allows I find that it allows my the flow from my brain to what's I'm what I'm typing to come out a lot more fluid. Okay. And .NET, just the act of compiling is kind of gets in the way. So you need a faster machine, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally yeah. kidding. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. I had a machine like that once. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's like I had a tractor like that once. Yeah. Nice. And the other thing that kind of gets in my way with the tooling is just the cost of going from your keyboard to your mouse. Yeah. I, I kind of put out on Twitter if anybody's been able to strictly navigate the, uh, Visual Studio with with their keyboard. Right. Never take your hands off the keyboard. Never take their hands off the keyboard. And I know it's possible. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that it's actually possible. Yeah. Well, it depends what tools you use, right, in Visual Studio. Because Visual Studio is everything. Um, so I think it's, it may be possible. But the environment I want to get to, and I'm, if I get some time I'm going to try to get to, is where I can use a text editor and just a terminal to mm -hmm. compile. And I don't know if that's possible. Um, one thing that's, that's kind of weird for me is like adding projects to a solution creates a GUID, and why is that necessary? Um, you know, so it's, you can't, like, you have to script that out. You have to be able to script out adding a file to a project and adding a project to a solution. It is completely possible, by the way, to use terminal. Awesome. I'd, uh, love, I'd love to hear about that because project. that's where I really, that would really In fact, break down all of Visual barriers. Studio is just to shells around, you know, the compiler, which is a, which is a command line compiler. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's just going to take some research on how to do that. And I, I don't know of anybody that has done that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that. What's YAML? <laughs> uh, what YAML is, is uh, <laughs> basically a key value pair. It, it's similar to JSON that um, it's it, you know it doesn't have like angle brackets and and all these things mm -hmm. that the uh, Rails uses it a lot for configuration settings and stuff of that nature. Okay, um, why not XML or something standard? Uh, because it's simpler. <laughs> okay. And hey, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, that's an acceptable answer. Easier to read, mm -hmm. easier to, to look at and decipher. It looks more like INI files. Remember those? Yeah. 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 Now yeah. you're scaring me. Uh, I'm just saying. That's what it looks right. like. That's pretty cool. All right. 
Um, what about Webrick or Webrick? Webrick is uh, very similar to Cassini or whatever it's called on .dot net in mm-hmm. the .dot net world. IS Express. Yep. It's just a a local comes with Ruby, just a local uh, web server that runs your your Rails apps by default. Mm-hmm. So, do you think if um, if developer if .dot net developers aren't used to sort of command line, if they live in Visual Studio, is probably that going to be the biggest hurdle, just the the sort of workflow change to a command line environment? That's one. That is the biggest hurdle. That's like the first question I get is, yeah. is there an IDE for this? And there right. is. Uh, JetBrains makes a um, RubyMine, which is an IDE-like thing where you can click buttons and mm-hmm. and run rake tasks and um, you know run your test and things like that. So there is an IDE. Um, it is slower. <laughs> Sure, because uh, it is an ID. Um, and again, you I like would, that. You like that instant, you know, instant gratification. The feedback loop just getting really tight. That's right. What you really and like. always just using you know, code with ten fingers instead of one. Yeah. Um, you know, use your use your keyboard a lot more. And yeah. um, so I I would suggest that people just kind of get over that. Try to tr- just try it. Just take a day and and try just using your command line, your terminal or, or your, uh, your command prompt and, and just building, building your application through that. The, in our session, we built a, a, whole, a full web application without even looking at the browser, hmm. not even opening up the browser. That's great. Um, and we did it on both sides. We did it on um, the .NET side, although our spec flow test, we were using Watton. So it did open the browser because there is not there is one headless browser that I know of on the on the Windows side, which is Phantom JS. Uh, but on the on the uh, Mac side, on the Unix side, there's there's a ton of them. So a headless browser is uh, just it when you automate your your scripting of your website. So you say uh, I'm going to script the login. So I'm going to put a username of X in this box, a password mm-hmm. of Y in this box, and click submit. Uh, usually a browser has to pop up and, and execute those. Uh, but in the, uh, there is such a concept of, of a headless browser where it does it, but you don't see the browser show up. So it's a lot, it's a lot faster and a lot cleaner. Have you, you have used visual studio and C sharp, right? Yes. All right. So you don't, you didn't become addicted to IntelliSense and statement completion. Yeah, I did. I did. And that's one of the things I like to figure out. Do I need IntelliSense? Yeah. Like, well, I, I mean, if you're I'm, all about speeding things up, and I, I certainly, I certainly right. rely on it a lot for things that I can't remember what the name of the property is, for example, you know. Right, and I've never, I've never tried it without IntelliSense, so I don't know if I need it. Um, yeah. I, I know a lot of where stuff is in namespaces and things like that. Sure. Um, but do I know it because I have IntelliSense or do I really, really know it? So that's one of the experiments I'd like to try. But when you're working on the Ruby side, you don't have IntelliSense? You don't have IntelliSense, uh, no, but you have like syntax highlighting, which helps you a lot. Right. Because if it doesn't highlight, you're like, oh, I screwed something up here. Right. And that's the other thing with the feedback loop is you don't write a lot of code before you just run a test. Right. You run little itsy bitsy, ty- you know, little bit of code to satisfy your test and 
and you get feedback right away. That's and how I'm I, not saying that's Ruby specific thing. No, that's no, no. A, that's how I write. That's how I write. Yeah. Actually, right. it's a good practice. Hey, right. Richard, you know what time it is? Ah, uh, must be that happy time again. Time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Today's winner, David Huntley from Staffordshire, England. Uh, congratulations, David. David. Golf clap for you. Right. Wonderful. And uh, yes, the DevCraft Complete Collection, everything Telerik makes in one box including Windows 8 tools. Mm -hmm. Yes, Windows Store app tools. Hey, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, become one of the thousands of members of our fan club. You could win every time you listen to the show. And every December, we give away five grand worth of cool tools or technology. We just did last year, and this year we will do it again. We like to ask our guests... What would you buy with five grand, Jamie? What would I buy for five? I'd probably just go on vacation. <laughs> no, you've got to buy technology, Jamie. He said, ah, oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to go on a technology vacation. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> go tour some data centers. Yeah. No, seriously, if you yeah. had five grand to buy toys, you know. Well, this is uh, probably not a popular answer. I'd probably get a new Mac Pro. No, you can actually, actually spend five grand on a Mac Pro. Surprisingly yeah, popular I'd have, answer. I'd have to get the low end Mac Pro for five grand. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't fully load it for five grand. You can just get started. Yeah. Right, right. Well, well that's good enough. It's a great answer. Yeah. So did you start out as a .NET developer, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing .NET since it came out, you know, okay. 2001. Uh, we... I worked for a company and we were VB6, you know, doing VB6, VB5. And of course the .NET came out. And so, you know, they trained us all on VB.NET and since then moved to C Sharp. And uh, I still do, you know, .NET, you know, 30% of my week is, is sure. .NET work. So, so what got um, you to even dabble in Ruby? Like how, how did this happen? Um, Codemash, man. Code it was Mash. Leon's fault. It's so Leon's just, fault. Just having that experience with Leon got you hooked. Yeah. Well, he introduced me. You know, I right. went to Codemash. Said, you know, I'm I'm kind of bored. I get bored with stuff a mm -hmm. little a little easy. I'm, I'm bored with Ruby, to be quite honest, a little bit. Um, but I uh, I just like to try new stuff, and I I went and found Ruby and was instantly addicted to basically the syntax of it. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the feature list of active reports. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support, so that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active reports from Component One. Smarter components for smarter developers. So do you feel like you're a convert now? Like, given your choice, you'll code in Ruby? Yes. yes. That's interesting. Yes, like, it just it pulls you across. It pulls me across, yes. You, you code yes. in C Sharp because that's still paying your bills. But then some yeah. of your work is also in Ruby and Rails. Right. So we do, you know, 70% of our work now is, you know, last year is probably 80% .NET and 20% Ruby. 
and then you know towards the end of the year it's kind of swapped wow uh and i and i did that on purpose i just found myself a little happier and, and it's not you know i love c sharp i love the language the language is is awesome mm-hmm. um it's just like i said the tooling um the compiling you know obviously can't get around that um is is kind of the two biggest things that that pushed me and the open source opens so i'm I find myself so much more productive, even though I've done 10 years or whatever it is, 11 years of, of .NET, I find myself more productive in, in Rails. Um, just mostly for the open source, um, mostly for the ease of the language and yeah. uh, the tooling. So, And most people look at Studio as a real asset, too. I mean, obviously... Uh, mm-hmm. You can you point at IntelliSense and go, that's cool. But uh, what a, you know, the whole edit and continue interactive debugging experience is a pretty powerful part of Studio. Is it mm-hmm. really the equivalent in Ruby? Um, well, refactoring in Ruby is a pain. Um, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a interpreted language. So the refactoring is is not nearly as good as it is in .NET. So .NET has you know really good refactoring. Um, and, and there are things about Visual Studio that, you know, like the IntelliSense that people, people love and the ability that you can customize some of that. Um, so besides those, I don't really miss and a lot of it and Link. I, I do miss Link. I miss Link a lot, but yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Link, I mean, the active record sounds close, but Link's still the stronger, more powerful tool. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of languages now that try to emulate that. You sure. Know, JavaScript does um, some of that um, Node. So, um, yeah, it's it's a really good asset to the language. Can we talk about the scalability of Rails? Sure. I don't know anything about it, though. <laughs> I've never, what is this so, scalability you speak of? Yeah, I've never written, uh, you know, a Twitter, a Twitter application. Yeah. So I've never had to experience that pain. Um, obviously, it's not compiled language, so it's going to to be slower. And and um, but I'm not building rocket ship sure. type applications, so it's it's always been fine for me. Richard, I. Th- I think we've had this discussion before, haven't we? We've had various discussions around around Ruby and Rails to one degree or another. And and you know, Jamie's highlighted the main thing, which was Twitter became the poster child of the ultimate Ruby app. Right. And when they got to their billions of transactions, and let's be honest, that's where they got to, yep. they had some problems. But so did everybody else. Yeah. It's just hard up there in the stratosphere. Sure. And I don't think their their problem was really rails so much as it was database interaction yeah um, i would tend to um, and you get back to this whole you know what orms are meant for ease of development not high performance yeah, yeah. that mindset yeah, I think causes problems problem. when you're doing more transaction than a credit card company i think anybody's going to have that 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 problem but yeah it did become it, a poster child and you know they get they went away from rails and i think their front end is rails or ruby uh, um but their back end definitely is uh, I think it's closure or something like that. Yeah, so. it had it had to evolve, and it always does. Like it's just that's and you could not build in the first place for that kind of performance because it, it's hard to justify it. It's hard to construct that way, and you've got to prove that you need it. Hmm. You're going to spend mm-hmm. a lot of money unnecessarily if you never use it. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. The, uh, there's no one right way. There's more than anything. It's just to find out the truth, which is that 
if there was one perfect way to develop, we'd all be doing it. None sure. of us are dumb. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just we're actually working on the best tools we've got and, and no tool saves you and no tool will uh, will will guarantee you success. You know, you're gonna right. you're you're gonna succeed or you're gonna fail on your own merits. Right. It's whatever it's whatever makes you happy. So to each his own, if you know, whatever you whatever makes you happy, do that. And what sort if, of apps are you building? Uh mostly web web based apps, internal apps. Um, you know, are you doing any that, services that, with Rails? Web services? Uh huh. Yeah, I yeah we built quite a few web services on Rails. So that's another easy thing with Rails. There's uh so Rails takes on the the HTTP kind of restful thing to to an nth degree, and uh, there's a a gem called Grape that we use a lot. Um, and it lets you allows you to build APIs really really simple. Um, it you know it has built in versioning and built in um, response formats and things that you want in your you know built in uh, um, authentication mechanisms that you want in an API and then it just allows you to build the functionality in your API. And and do you sort of hop back and forth between building the client, building the service that it consumes that the client consumes? This just seems kind of fun. So we had a, a lady who wanted to to help promote, uh, help fund nonprofits by sharing photos. Sure. And so there was an iPhone application and a web application. Mm-hmm. We built the app, the web application in Rails, uh, built an API on top of the models and things like that uh, for the iPhone client to consume. And also post back some some photos, so you can take a photo with your iPhone and post it up using the the API that we built, and it would show up in the web application. And the iPhone app was native. And the iPhone application was native, yes. So, and does did the Rails the web client uh, also use the APIs that you constructed, or are they two different ways in? No, we did it two different ways. Okay. Um, just because some of the route, some of the routings we didn't need, some of the the models we didn't need. Um, so it, we did it two separate ways. Sure. Uh, you know, rails itself is, is a pretty good API, um, that you can build APIs on. Uh, there's actually a new project rails API that, that takes all the, you know, views and things that aren't needed in an API out and makes it, slims it down and makes it four APIs. Mm-hmm. And that's an, that's an ongoing project. I think, uh, Steve Klabnik, um, is working on that. So that's a pretty exciting project. And I think, you know, when I was in .NET a lot, like in the community a lot more and, mm-hmm. and following it, there wasn't really a good way to create APIs. I believe now, though, that ASP.NET's web API they have. Yep. And is, that's a way to uh, produce APIs or consume APIs or, or both. Yeah, both. Yeah. I mean, it's... Okay. It's one of its capabilities definitely is this giving you a sense of how to build out a set of services that makes sense. Right. 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 So, I mean, we are, I think we're, we're all getting to the same place. We're recognizing the services model is no longer optional. We're living in a heterogeneous client world. And, and I, one of the things I was happy to hear you say is, hey, you built the services in Ruby and the iOS native client was able to consume them. No questions asked. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially nowadays, you know, everybody wants a mobile application. It's kind of yeah. like the web, the web days back in the '90s. They have no idea why; they just want one. Yep. So. Uh, and now that means a lot of different things. Yeah, 
Yeah, so there's a lot of talking, you know, between web and mobile stuff now. What's yeah. the number one request? Well, not request, but wish that you get from ASP.NET MVC users for Ruby, or vice versa. Um. Well, there's some. It seems like uh, MVC to you know they they took a lot of um, inspiration from from Rails for Rails rather. Um, but so they're always a little. I don't want to say always or always will be, but they have been um, kind of, you know, a year, year, year and six months behind where Rails is at. So like the routing in, in Rails is so much better than the, the routing mechanism in MVC. Now, Steve Sanderson, this is the first thing I, inst- I knew get in a, in a so, MVC project. Wait a, minute, wait a minute, can we dig into that? What yeah. makes it better and, and does, don't they both route? Is it just the, the way in which you go about it? Yeah, so they have like things like nested routing um, that's very easy to do in, in the Rails side. And nested routing is? So you say you wanted, um, you know, you have uh, customers that purchase products, right? So you want a list of products that a customer has purchased. So you may go to slash customer slash ID slash products, right? And then your controller would pass along that customer ID with it. So you can, you can kind of get what customer you're at for, for a given, what products you need for a given customer. So that's one thing. Um, the way to um, eliminate certain um, HTTP methods. So you only want a get and a, and a post. You don't want to put, those types of things um, are, are built into the Rails routing. You can't do that in, in an ASP.NET MVC? Well, the first thing that I install, I don't, the first thing I install is Steve Sanderson's um, RESTful routing mm-hmm. um, library that he built. And it actually mimics Rails pretty well. Uh, so you can name routes um, and call them easily in your, in your views and your controllers. So okay. there's a, uh, routing's a big, a big wish that I hear. Um, the ability to respond to certain different types of requests. Mm-hmm. You know, I want a JSON request in this situation, and I want an H- uh, HTML re- uh, response in this situation. And people have done that with, um, like, extension methods in .NET I've seen. So it kind of mimics kind of what Rails offers. Uh, for me, validations has always been an issue in the .NET world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just out-of-the-box validations seem... For me, anyway, they've just been hard to get a consistent validation. You know, it uses IE error provider okay. in .NET, but certain libraries implement it kind of differently than others. Um, so validations have been kind of a, a, big, a big area as well. Uh, and then the other thing is there's two big things that uh, .NET uh, needs to get, I think, is as- something similar to Asset Pipeline. In um, in Rails, so that allows things like CoffeeScript and SAS, where you need um, a preprocessor to to use JavaScript and and CSS. Right. So um, something that runs ahead of the main uh, of the main uh, compilation, so that they can get down back to the JavaScript. Right. Right. That was a big big thing um, hmm. in Rails three one. Um, Interesting. Other- yeah, uh, sending email. So every app sends email, right? Right. 
Rails, it's built in. You know, Rails has an MVC type of idea for for sending email. Um, well, the the I, .NET framework does as well. Are you saying Rails has a uh, has a mail uh, an SMTP server? No, it goes deeper than that. It's um, basically you you create um, a view, which is the body of your email, and then you can create a controller that can send that email, that knows how to send that email. You pass in the parameters that you need, and you just hit send, and, and that's off. And you can generate that with Rails Generator. So you can say Rails generate mailer, you know, you know, forgot password mailer, uh, and it will create, create those for you. So it's very easy to, to send email and create emails and view emails. You do not have to specify where it gets sent through? And who yeah, you, sends I mean, it? I mean, yeah, you specify that in your uh, configuration file. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dot .NET has that. I'm not uh, sure. .NET does have that. Yeah, they uh -huh. do have a way to send email. What I'm saying is Rails has this concept of mailers, so okay. it has a framework around generating email. You know, sending. You know, the ability to send an HTML email and a text email by specifying just different extensions on views. All right, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. So uh, I'm hoping, you know, MVC kind of gets that. Yeah. Um, and just the idea of Rack. So Rack? Rails is built on this, ra on this middleware called Rack, which is basically just a thin, simple layer around the request and response. Um, so it's really easy to hook into the pipeline of a request and a response. There's just one method. You can actually just define a proc and have that run. You can insert that somewhere in your, um, in your ecosystem of getting a request and a response. Hmm. And I, I think IIS has something similar, um, if I'm not mistaken. I've never used it. I mean, there's um, certainly request and response objects. You can go in and manipulate them. What are you trying to, what can you do with Rack? Like, what, what's the working scenario? So there's, you know, you're, you can put your authentication mechanism right in there. You right. could, um, um, you know, intercept calls that you don't even want to go to your web, you know, your web application mm -hmm. and have them handle, handle that kind of thing. And all it is is just a simple Ruby class that, uh, you create and it just has a call method and you can do whatever you want in there. I don't, I mean, there's ways to build different kinds of interceptors inside of IIS and ASP.NET to be able to do some of that stuff. But, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just more coherent in the, in the Ruby world. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jason Fallis asked me uh, to ask you how a professional paintballer becomes a software developer. <laughs> <laughs> so you were actually, and when we say professional, you were paid to play paintball. Uh, I was, I wasn't paid, but I didn't pay anything. Oh, okay. You were good so, enough that they wanted you around. Yeah. This, I, uh, yeah. So the reason I became a software developer, well, I was a software developer, uh, but I just wanted to start my own business and paintball took up a lot of my time, a lot of travel every weekend. We were gone practicing, scrimmaging, playing of tournaments. Um, so I could never build a business, but yeah, I, I stopped playing about 2004, 2005. Oh, and I got to imagine if, you know, they were doing some team building exercise that involved paintball, you'd wipe us all out. 
Uh, yeah, that's happened to a couple companies I've been at. <laughs> you know, Code Mash was just to have a paintball tournament in the back there, and then in walked Jamie, and all hell broke loose. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It's it's a lot bigger than people realize. Oh, um, it is. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, a it's, thing. it's not played in you know tournament style. Is not played like in the woods where you have camouflage and you you're up in the trees. You know, that's how everybody gets started. But it's more of a game of like angles that's played out in the open behind like inflatable bunkers. Right. And uh, it's really fast paced and it's a lot a lot of fun. It's since I've left, it's it's grown a ton. It's grown. Way, I mean, people actually do get paid now. Um, you know, there are such a thing as a you know a real live professional paintball player that's, that's not living, you know, on their friend's couch, <laughs> like <laughs> like happened in, in my day. So, so it's a lot of fun. It's uh, you know, it's there's not a lot of money in it yet because it's it's not really televisable if that's even a word. Uh, it's hard to to follow on t- TV, but. They're trying. Well, I think that's a, that's a show, Jamie. All right. Well, that was well fun. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, PluralSight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. PluralSight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com Got a transmitter van